Hey guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest Podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. I am back home for a few days before heading back on another hunt. And I wanted to drop this recap from my New Mexico elk hunt that I did with Kobe Owens and my cousin Chad. It was an awesome hunt. Unfortunately, my cousin couldn't join us for this recap, but me and Kobe did a pretty thorough like two-hour recap of the whole hunt um, on our way to the airport to drop Kobe off. So um, it's full of lots of really good insights. It's pretty funny, and we're literally driving down the road as we're recording. So if I seem a little distracted or <laughs> anything like that, it's just I'm driving. But um, it's a really good podcast. Like There was light bulbs going off in my head the whole time just as we were breaking it down, so I think it'll be pretty interesting for folks. Um, as always, please go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you can. And if you go to YouTube right now, actually, you can watch this recap. Now, most of the time, the camera's just sitting on the center console, but there are a few times when we pull the camera up and, and show each other or kind of what we're looking at on the road. So, I don't know, it might be interesting, or if you're listening at work, you can keep it minimized and then... If you hear us mention something, pop it open and see what we're talking about. But there is a video on this podcast. But either way, go to YouTube, search my name, Hunter McWaters. Please subscribe. It's super helpful. And then also leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, lastly, you know, if you need to get some supplements for some of your late seasons coming up, uh, late season hunts, that is, go to Mountain Ops. Use the code QUEST. You'll save. You'll help support the show. I want to thank my other partners, Onyx Hunt, Barnes Bullets, Seekins Precision, and Loophole Optics, all great companies uh, that I highly recommend. So go check them out, enjoy this podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Roll and roll. Are you rolling on your mic? I am rolling on my mic. I am rolling on my mic. <laughs> oh my god, I wish you guys could see what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters. I'm here with... Kobe Owens. Who, I have to say, I've been calling Elk Boy. I know that's kind of somebody's handle already on Instagram, but he's just the Elk Boy. <laughs> we had a lot of time together in the Elk Woods out we did. here. Well, the Elk desert technically yeah mainly the elk desert so we're gonna do a little uh, recap of this new mexico hunt um it was a roller coaster of a hunt a good hunt um we're a little bit fried we had a pack out last night that we did <laughs> so and i never really sleep good after pack outs i don't know if it's um the exertion or like the adrenaline from that day or both but like i never sleep good after a pack out and kill day yeah, I, I slept great last night, um, <laughs> but I know that to be a thing with, with others, and, and I've had it happen a time or two where you're you're so tired and uh, you've exerted so much energy that yeah. for some reason your body just is like, nope, I'm, I'm going to not sleep. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But <clears throat> anyway, also, guys, if you're just listening, um, I'm driving through New Mexico right now, so if I sound a little distracted, I might be, but... We are literally cruising 
from our unit to the airport for Kobe to go on another hunt. And um, yeah, it was, we were talking earlier, it's really crazy about just like meeting. We met for a little bit at the expo. We had like lunch or dinner together with a group. Um, and I could tell you were cool and I heard good things about your work. And, um, but we only had that little bit of time and then we jumped into, you know, all day, every day together for probably what, six days now? Yeah. Yeah. What day is it? It is the 18th and we rolled in, uh, on the 11th. So this is day seven. Okay. Yeah. So, and guys, I am not exaggerating right now. And I say that, uh, I've worked with not a ton of different guys like Kobe, but you know, a fair, a fair amount. And, um, I have a ton of your, of respect for you, Kobe, um, just with your work ethic, but, and in your skills with the camera, but also guys, what you might not know about Kobe is he's a killer elk hunter. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've grew up elk hunting. Like that is, uh, what lights a fire underneath me. You know, I, I was a hunter long before I was a hunting photographer, filmmaker. Um, yeah. that is, that is the root of the existence. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I grew up elk hunting in Montana. I grew up in a small town in the mountains in Montana. Deer Lodge, right? Deer Lodge, yep. So born and raised there. What a cool like name for a hometown, Deer Lodge. Yeah, it is is pretty sweet. Um, So grew up just running the mountains, uh, hunting, fishing, exploring, camping with the family. And uh, yeah, then a number of years, let's see, I was probably... Uh, senior in high school is just about shoot when is it six seven years six seven years ago somewhere in there um time flies when you're having fun oh yeah but uh i saw an image by stephen drake and it is this shed antler laying on the ground and a bull elk with his antlers on in the background and it just blew my mind. I was like, what? I can combine hunting and photography? Because okay. just that last spring I had gotten uh, into photography. I'd always loved taking pictures with like disposable cameras growing up okay. and, and had a thing for- We never talked about this yet, how you got pictures. into it. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I picked up a, a camera that, that spring and uh, I actually took a picture of the Northern Lights at my hunting cabin. Oh, nice. And from that moment on, I was hooked. So that's why you're a nighttime photography guru. Yeah, I literally learned how to take pictures of the stars and at night and manually expose before I learned how to take pictures during the day. Guys, literally five minutes before this podcast, somebody calls him. He's like, yeah, what's up, bro? And he's like, okay, you start bending the S-curves down this way and your shadows should be uh, blue and something about gold and that'll make the milk pop. <laughs> I refer to the Milky Way as the milk. Um, and, uh, but anyway, what I wanted to say was, is you just like eat, breathe and sleep this stuff. Like, and it shows it is. Yeah. It's truly my life. Like I love it. It's <clears> I've been freelancing for, Oh, going on. We're pushing two years here. And, and, uh, this is actually my last freelance yeah, project. So um, wild. I'm so glad I snagged you up because what are you doing? What are you doing now? Uh, I am now <laughs> the in-house content producer for uh, Weatherby so in cool. uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. I've, nice. This is, uh, I've been there a couple weeks and then took off to do this gig and yeah, going back to immediately uh, hit the mountain for a sheep hunt yes. with them. So it's been an incredible transition. Um, you know, the, the grind to get there is, is something I will never forget and has made me what I am and who I am. But uh, to find myself in this 
this new position is pretty surreal for <clears throat> for uh, where I came from. Yeah, yeah, man, and it's it's I, I you know it's so interesting to me because I've talked about this on a lot of podcasts before, but just coming from completely different sides of the country, you know, it, there really is a difference just in mindset and you know just how I grew up hunting versus how you grew up hunting, and so it's so fun for me to like jump into that a hundred percent and just, it's almost like learning to hunt all over again. You know, it's like, it's getting a, it's like a second chance of starting from scratch because it's so different than the way I grew up hunting, which was, you know, like the marshes and like farm flats and whatnot of Virginia. So anyway, man, um, I, like I said, have a ton of respect for you, man. Uh, you helped me out so much on this hunt taught me a lot of stuff about elk hunting so i'm really stoked we got to work together on this on this hunt and that i had you along for it with me yeah it was a it was a dang good time and and happy i could be here to help you along the way and and help you learn about uh elk because i mean i just i love elk i respect them as much or more than anything and they're truly just so special to me yeah i'm starting to see that see why man um but anyway this hunt was um, really cool, guys. So now that you know a little bit about Kobe, let's just recap this hunt a little bit, and we'll just kind of flow with it. Like I, I don't have a agenda other than just recapping because I'm also driving here. But because it was a wild one, it was wild. Dude, I'm it, still processing it, it. To put it lightly, it was a wild one. It takes a couple days to kind of process these things sometimes, but um, it was a wild one. So. Me and Kobe got there two days early to scout, which is, in my opinion, a good idea. Like, if you're putting fresh boots on the ground somewhere, anytime you get there a day or two early, even just get camp set up before, like, the weekend guys come in or whatever, you know? Like, it's just so valuable. Yeah, yeah, to get your spot established and just familiarize yourself with an area, uh, especially being in quite different terrain, even for both of us, you know, being from Montana. Yeah. Uh, and stepping foot into the desert, I told you coming in, like, hey, I know elk really well, but I know elk where I'm from really well. Right. I don't know how they are going to differentiate in this different environment. And so being able to just check boxes of, okay, there's sign in this spot, there's not sign in this spot, there's elk in this spot, there's not elk here, this road's good, that road's not good, Yeah, that gets you two, three steps ahead immediately. Absolutely. And you guys start from the 10,000 foot view. So I had e-scouted this basically, I kind of broke the unit into three pieces um, just to kind of make into manageable, manageable chunks. And then I started talking to some friends that like have hunted out there before and they're basically telling me there's elk in all the parts of the unit. It just kind of depends on what like terrain you want to hunt. And it's basically like higher alpine kind of dark timber forest. And then there's like rolling hills almost similar to like Badlands kind of country, but deserty, and that's what we were in for most of the trip. Yeah. But once we got our campsite established, we just got like, there was like one, how, like, not like a hard climb, but like enough to scare away a pretty good amount of people. Like, you know, like how, how, how was it, like two, 300 feet? Oh, no, it was, it was, it was more than that. I'd say it was, it was probably pushing five, 600 feet elevation okay. gain, but um yeah the thing with that is we also kind of determined that in this area there are quite a few roads and there's going to yes. be quite a bit of 
ATV road hunters, especially the locals within the area. Yep. So we determined that if we're able to get off the beaten path just a little bit more, A, we're going to get away from that hunting pressure, and B, we might find more elk, bigger elk type of deal, yeah. uh, just being able to put forth that effort. 100%. So it was pretty cool because... I gotta change lanes here. <laughs> um, I kind of lost my train of thought, but it was pretty cool because we went basically from our camp, went up like straight behind our camp. It just went like up, like you know, five six hundred feet, like Kobe said. And it was like you just entered another world. It was like you have entered the elk realm. Yeah, and like, like there was elk right there. We were hearing bugles from camp at night. Oh yeah. Um, but I think we need to take a step back here too. In, in our our first day of scouting, yes, was, it was successful. Yes. But it was unsuccessful, right? Well, well you yeah, that's a good. That. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, that's actually where I, where I lost my train of thought. So you reminded me good. Um, the first day, we basically, I one of the larger chunks I had narrowed the unit down into um, was not really accessible by truck. But we actually ha- were fortunate; we had an ATV. Um, so, and this was a little bit more desert, a little bit more arid. And a big burn had gone through about yep. 10 years ago. Yeah, burn area. And um, I found lots of tanks, um, which was what they call the water, you know, stuff out here, um, where, you know, those are areas you always want to check for elk sign, you know, especially like early on in scouting. So we went down there in the ATV and kind of spent, I don't know, a good chunk of that day on that ATV exploring that, just checking tanks and looking for sign. And we didn't see a whole lot of sign. No. No, we spent over half the day there. Um, I got my hands vibrated off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was it was dusty. It was dry. And that fire had really wiped a lot of the cover. You know, there, yes. was, a, there was a little bit, but I was expecting there to be a little bit better regeneration. And, um, but most of the cover was just, just gone. Yep. And we, we, all those tanks that we checked were actually dry. Yep, none of them, dry. None of them had water in it. Bone and so dry. instantly we kind of marked that place off the map. We found two or three fresh elk rubs, a couple piles of fresh scat. And uh, other than that, we were like, man, I don't think we're going to even come yeah. back here unless and it's Hail Mary. Even the one tank we did find with water had like one cow track in it. It was like an inch <laughs> of water too. It was, yeah. it was not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we crossed it off the list, and then we found this area where we ended up staying, where you know it was just a little ac- a little piece of access from the road uh, onto some public, and but it was actually like, although it was really right off a pretty busy road, it was a good campsite. It was like flat, the trees, a little stream right by, yeah. so it wasn't bad other than the you know the cars and the dogs. Yeah, <laughs> the dogs. Yeah, that's another story though. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, it was kind of funny. We were up at that last tank that we were checking, and I was looking on Onyx, and I'm like, man, like, I think this area looks pretty good. You're like, hey, I have a pin, like, right there, too, that we need to check this area. Yeah. So, like, all right, let's, uh... That's interesting. So, you just looked at that, and you're like, this looks like Elky-type terrain. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then that was the spot that I'd also identified as we need to check out. Well, because up on that hill, we could see those rolling hills from yeah, up where we were. It was more vegetation. And there was a lot more cover. And it just, to me, is like, if, if I was an elk, I would not be where I'm standing right now. I'd be yeah, over there. Too dry and hot, not enough cover, exactly. So, um, 
Which, when we finally did get up into that stuff, I was amazed how green it was, too. It was. Very it was green. green. Um, but, yeah, so, anyway, we got to that second area. We weren't sure, like, if we were going to camp and, like, commit there yet. Um, but, but we went in that evening. We went, yeah, exactly. We went in that evening in the glass, and we, we found, like, for me, a shooter bowl, like, a mile in. Dude, we were up that hill, and ten minutes after, ten minutes after getting up that hill, um... We heard bugle. It was windy. I remember it was so, it was so windy yeah. that day. It was super windy. And we like hardly heard Probably this like 40 bugle. mile an hour gusts. Uh, at least. Like it was really windy. Um, <laughs> the audio for that day will be interesting. Yeah. But, and the uh, long range footage too. But Yeah. But immediately we heard that bugle and we're like, well, let's kind of work that way and, and uh, see what we can see. And we immediately found him. And, yeah. But... We found his little buddy first, and I was like, man, that does not sound like that elk is making that yeah. bugle. Like, that's a little I was rag. all excited even when we saw the rag, though. It's a little four-point, and I'm like, that is a lot bigger bugle than that elk is making. Yeah. Um, and I felt so, too, but also I haven't heard a ton of bugles. So, But I, it didn't seem like that matched, uh, that little guy. But anyway, it was really cool to see some elk. And we're like, and we heard other bugles too. Um, yeah. Is that the night that I walked up on the one? Yeah, it was. Okay. It was. So then so. We, we decide to circle around and like, okay, we got elk here. Let's go check further into the drainage. Yeah. yeah. So we went kind of around so they wouldn't wind us. Yep. And we went further down to a better like glassing spot. And we sat there and you went down and checked the tank. Went down and checked the tank. I sat up top in glass, and as soon as you got back, you saw a bull, like, off in the distance, right? And immediately, I was like, that is a good bull. Yeah. I got I got a glimpse of him for 10, 15 seconds and really couldn't break him down that hard, but he was, as soon as I put eyes on him, knew he was better than a 300-class bull, and was like, yep, okay, we found a nice little spot here. Yeah, yep. And I think we were hearing other bugles around, too. Um, yep. Then on the way back, okay, we're walking back, like, right at the end of shooting light. Of course, we're still scouting. We don't have weapons, or I don't have a weapon. And um, and we're walking back, and I just kind of, we're like, I'm not sneaking or anything. We haven't heard anything bugle close to us. And so we're just kind of, like, you know, walking back to camp. And I look up as I crest this ridge. I probably, you know, should have been walking more carefully, and I'm just like, but um, <laughs> I crest this ridge and I look up and there's just a bull at like 20 yards from me, like a nice one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you got some nice footage of him. Yep. <laughs> and then he stared you down and and went on his way. He didn't really, I, I call it a soft bump. Like he was like, yeah, something's up, but I'm not really sure what's up. Yeah. I'm gonna get out of here. Yeah, it wasn't. He was. It wasn't too bad of a bump, but basically, we knew there was tons of elk up there. So. We kind of decided, I think, okay, we went back in the next morning, but after that we decided, okay, there's elk here. We don't need to scout this anymore. Like, we're staying. That night we kind of crashed and didn't really set up camp. Just like you slept in the back of the truck, which you ended up doing the whole time. Uh, yeah. But, As in the back <laughs> truck, the bed of the truck, just uh, yeah. cowboy camp. Would yeah. Just put my pad down and sleeping bag and yeah. let her rip. All week. Um, but we hadn't committed yet, like mentally. So, but... We went in the next morning. Again, we saw even more elk, I think. Um, and then we were like, yeah, there's no reason to be just walking around in here before the season. We know they're in here. Let's back out. 
and maybe go check another spot or just go set up camp. And I think we just like set up camp that yeah, night. Because and my cousin rolled in. We we crossed we crossed the drainage and went over to the other side um, and and heard the elk bugling here, heard the elk bugling there. We heard like five different uh, yeah. sets of bugles and then confirmed there were more elk over there. I saw that broken bull. Yep. Um, and then it was like 9 a.m. and we were just like, well, we're hunting here tomorrow no matter what. Yeah. Let's just get out of here. We went, shot your muzzleloader, set yes. up camp. Thank you, dude. I don't um, even like remember what happened. I'm so fried <laughs> right now. And um, uh, then, yeah, your cousin rolled in. Yeah, so that's another kind of important thing to mention. So um, any kind of hunt like this, especially this one, it's like an open site. So, again, this is the first time New Mexico has gone to open site, no optic, uh, this year on muzzleloaders. So um, I'm shooting a CVA Acura LRX um, with a peep sight on it. So my effective range, like I told myself I would take a 150 if I have to, but I'd really like to be 100 or in. So anyway, all I have to say is we went out to the desert and like verified my gun was still zeroed and then went and set up camp. And then my cousin rolled in who um, <laughs> he, he, I've taken him on one antelope hunt and he got a doe, but he's not like, he's, he's more of a casual hunter, I guess. And he doesn't really hunt out West. And so, but I just knew it'd be fun to have my cousin there, like just for the experience. Yeah. And he's been on a lot of your first with you as yes, you've yes. explained. So yeah, he was there with me. So if you guys go back and listen to like probably one of the first 10 episodes of the podcast, he was with me on my first like little public land excursion where I ended up shooting a hole in the floorboard of my truck with a 30-30. Um, <laughs> I didn't tell you that story, did I? Yeah. Oh, I did tell you that You did one. tell me anyway, that story. Um, he's been there for a lot of my firsts and like big life experiences hunting. Like when I took him out and he killed that doe, that was the first time I like, you know, led a DIY Western hunt trip out of state. Kind of, I walked everybody through the process of getting a point, drawing the unit. And um, anyway, we don't have to go down, down that rabbit hole too much, but um, my cousin came in, we set up camp, and then we were, like, ready to go in there in the morning and freaking maybe kill an elk. Yeah. I found a road shed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell him about the road shed. <laughs> He's so, really excited about this road shed. <laughs> like, really excited. It's this small little 3 Even though you gave it away, shed. you're just more excited that you found it than you actually have Dude, in the shed. yeah, you don't just find a road shed on public <laughs> land. This thing is off a major highway. It I think that's why you could for, see it, because, like, people were just going 60 miles But there was that turnout right there. That's true. And you, it was, we pulled out of our little campsite. We're getting ready to go shoot the muzzleloader, and I just look across. I'm like, there's a deer shed sitting right there, like, five yards across the fence line yeah. next to the highway it'd been there for i determined probably three years or so Jeez. um but yeah that was good <laughs> another note of the night is uh your cousin pulled out his boots <laughs> <laughs> we both look at each other and go we didn't say anything but the look in our eyes was both like oh, oh boy. he's after <laughs> <laughs> dude okay so shout out to my cousin he did a pretty good job he does not do this stuff at all, folks. So, great guy, but just had no idea what he was doing. I did my best to prepare him, but he's a very busy guy, and he didn't really do his homework. I, I knew he wouldn't. So, Chad, if you're listening, I love you. You did great. We're he happy you were it. there. He, he, killed, he it, killed it. He killed it. But he, he wasn't completely prepared, like, gear-wise, because he doesn't do this stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he pulls out his boots. One's, like, a very old pair of lacrosse, lacrosse boots, but they're, you know, designed for whitetail hunting. And then some also very old, like, 
casual Timberlands. Timberlands. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he went with the lacrosses. He did. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that'll that'll emerge come later. later. Yeah, yeah. The story. Um, yeah. Let's roll into opening morning. Okay. Opening morning. Basically, and again, it's like you you climb this little hill and you just entered into like elk world that's what I keep calling it elk it's like the real world is down there camp and cars and houses and dogs and then it's like you enter elk world Mm -hmm. and there was nobody else up there guys Um, we did see one other dude roll he kind of like rolled by our camp uh, the night before the opener to glass it but I talked to him he's a nice guy Um, he was checking in there for a client actually and dipped and we never saw him again after that except for we saw him at the diner this morning yeah (laughs) our our hunt started and ended with old Cody (laughs) yeah so shout out Cody if you're listening but um, anyway another interesting thing about the hunt that can always be kind of worrisome if you're coming from a big out of state hunt is uh, pressure and that was a non-issue for us on this hunt we never saw another human being besides Cody rolling through camp that night Uh, and the good thing about your discussion with him is he was looking for a big bull for yeah. a client and uh but he essentially told us he's like there's elk everywhere up there yeah uh the night before the opener and we and we already knew that but i could just tell in his voice him being a guide that some more elk could even rolled in and so when That's we got true. up there that morning man, oh yeah and this is the night where they were literally firing off like 200 yards before night. our camp all, all night night dude just just going off um, so that was pretty sick. That was sweet. Yep. Um, and, uh, so anyway, um, we get up there the next morning. I don't know. Why don't you, I'm, I'm kind of fuzzy. You, you probably could tell it better anyway. Yeah. So we roll up there, uh, next morning and <laughs> we're in the dark and we bump an elk. Remember oh. right away, right away. We bumped that elk oh, before the fence line, right oh, before yeah. the fence line on the top. And then we hear, Bugle, 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 bugle. All in different <laughs> locations, like just immediately. And uh, so we advance a little bit further, and our wind is not good for the closest bugle. It's it's going downhill. Um, and then we have the other close bugle, which I think is potentially the bull that we had spotted, the first bull we had spotted. Yeah. It's coming from that general vicinity on the ridge top. And then while we're sitting there we spot the big bull back in the canyon Mm -hmm. and uh, we're pretty sure it's the same one i had spotted uh the the day two days prior now yeah um this is beautiful country right here this is gorgeous it's uh i wish you'd see oh just take a shot really quick yeah (laughs) if someone is randomly listening on youtube look right now um we're driving through a really cool spot sorry to cut you off dude all good it saying? is sweet though. We're, it's, it's we're rolling. Interesting, really quick, guys. I just want to say it's interesting listening to Kobe break it down because he's coming from a very rational elk hunter brain. At this point, I'm in like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm just excited. There's bugles going on everywhere. Like, I'm kind of like, it's almost like I entered an elk war zone and I'm like in like the fog of war. <laughs> and like, that's why I was so glad Kobe was there because. He could just, you know, I think I got better as time went on, but Kobe, just because he knows what he's doing elk hunting, like, could help me, help us formulate, like, logical, coherent plans when there's, like, freaking elks just ripping off all around you in every direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I basically give you a choice. I'm like, there's the elk below us, 
there's elk in front of us. We're taking footage of the big bull in front of us. I was like, what direction are we going? Like, you've got to make a decision. We can't yeah. sit here and waver and just look at these elk. And you're like, okay, interesting. Let's go that way. Okay. Which and way was it? I forget. The big bull. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> good decision. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Actually, even my cousin was like, I was like, I remember, okay, I remember the moment now. We're taking footage, and then um, I think I said, all right, well, if we're going to go for one. Let's go for the big one. Yeah. And then my cousin was like, you going for him? I was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, he gave me that, like, nod, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I guess it probably would have been, I think it was closer to get to the one on the bottom. Or well, like, our wind was bad. We were going to yeah. have to circle, and he was he was there, but we couldn't Which see Which was a him. nice bull, too. But it also, it seemed like my gut reaction, um, just going back and analyzing it now, is that, like, it felt like if we dropped in the bottom, it would be really thick, and, it, and they were, like, up and moving. There's a lot of eyes. There's a lot of cows. Like, it would be hard to stalk in on them, I feel like, without them busting us. Yeah. Don't you think? Um, or not? I definitely... That, that play was just a tough one going down into the bottom because our wind was bad. Like, my saying that I told you a lot of times throughout this trip yep. is you can fool, or it's, uh, you can fool elk, elk ears once, I'm saying it wrong right now, but you can fool Ears their, twice, eyes once. Ears twice, eyes once, you can't fool their nose. Yeah. You, your wind is your biggest asset when you're elk hunting. Like, you, they get your wind and they are gone. They are, like, hard bust immediately. They hear a rock kick or twig break like once, twice. That's normal. Elk make noise in yeah. elk woods. They're yeah. used to that. If they see something, you can fool them if you just stay still. Like I've been Dude, yeah, under we did 10 that. yards. I've been under 10 yards from cows standing in the broad open sunlight in solids and had a cow walk away from me and not bust. You, if, if you move though, then they'll bust. So you can fool their eyes once, you can fool their ears twice but you cannot fool their nose so to me a you made the right decision on the play but also this isn't an everyday tag for anyone and there's a lot of mature bulls running around so when you made the decision to go for the bigger one immediately i was like yes that is the right decision in this <laughs> of in course this, in this I mean, if you uh, have options play. you got to at least try to go for the big one so we work our way over there yeah, and uh, it was we did we, it was like we half did a mile. pretty good job getting over like in rifle range. Yeah, it we just we to... couldn't close the like muzzleloader gap before they worked over the next side. But when we got over there, there was cows and bulls everywhere. Yeah, there's two nice bulls. Two at really least. nice bulls. Bunch of satellites or raghorns. Um, you'll hear you'll hear us refer to the smaller bulls as raghorns or satellites. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that we, we made a nice stock down in there. Didn't get spotted or busted by anything. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, they just... They just naturally worked, were working away from yep, us. Yep, they worked yeah. over that ridge. So we went back, grabbed your cuz. Yeah, and then that's when I think we... The one in the bottom was still just ripping, like, the whole time. A different one in the bottom. Right, right. Though. Yeah. Oh, was, was a different one, the first one we saw? Yeah, that one stayed back behind us. There was a new one down in the bottom. Well, anyway, there was elk in the bottom. Yeah. And, like, we were kind of like, well, let's go try it. So we went down there, but it was just, it was really thick, and then that elk ended up working up the draw to go bed. Yeah, so we made a play down on them, uh, but it was just at that time of the morning where they're working to their beds. Um, 
and ultimately we got i believe within muzzleloader range but it was so thick down yeah. there and uh, then all of a sudden the bugle's more distant and you're just like whoa what happened i'm like oh well they're working up the other side into the thick stuff up towards like three quarters of the way up the next hillside to go to their bedding area yeah. for the day so and man just even as we're talking about this like i realize i'm more i'm realizing even more and more now like how this was such a unique hunt. Like, so I've done a lot of deer hunting and even though mule deer hunting is very different from whitetail hunting, it's still a deer. This is a completely different animal and it acts different and how you hunt it is different. And so it was like more, it was just more, it was like more different, I guess, than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think that this is an assumption I made about your thought process of it is you, your thoughts on it is that elk were going to kind of stay within that area that you see them in. But elk, think of elk as like nomadic, essentially, right? Yeah. Like they are moving through country. Yeah, sometimes they'll get up and feed on the same hillside a couple days in a row, but like they are moving through country. They're actively moving. There's hmm. not a lot of times you see that same elk in that same exact spot where deer are creatures you. of habit. Deer Got are gonna you. bed in that same bed, feed out on that yeah. same hillside. Elk are not. Think of them more nomadic. Okay. So yeah, guys, it's a totally different creature. And so that just makes it even cooler. Like it was such a cool, like it was just, it was so much to take in on my senses and my brain, like that I'm seriously, it's like some of it's sinking in right now as we talk about it. It's kind of yeah. why I like doing these podcasts, but, um, well, it's just such a different animal, man. When we were out there, when we went through stocks and got done with stocks, what did I make us do? I made us debrief. We had to yeah. analyze the situation back. Like, okay, what did you think you did good? What did you think you didn't do good? Yep. What did you think you could do better? I may, I had you say it, and then I told you what I thought. <laughs> you went into straight coach mode after that first blown stock, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. That was, I'm just like, that's what I was saying to my cousin. I was like. This is my trick, man. I just hire uh, cinematographers who are better elk hunters than me, <laughs> or whatever hunters. <laughs> no, but but uh, uh, we broke it down. So okay, we kind of got off track there. But after that bottom play that didn't work out, the solar eclipse happened. Yes. You're like, why is this lighting getting weird? I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, solar eclipse is happening. That was so, <laughs> dude. I like forgot about that. That's so how, much I'm, happens. Like, there's so much time in the day especially when you're out there all day yeah so much happens that uh it is they all the days blend together and they it do. is hard to like break it down and remember they do um, so yeah unless we grab, you literally do this yeah like i'm so glad day. we're doing this <laughs> so um solar eclipse yeah the, the lighting just got really like it was like dusk but different than dusk it was like a it was kind of unique but anyway it was a super diffused lighting and then the temperature dropped like 20 degrees yeah but really cool. We spent the day out there, uh, snacked, napped, napped. Yep. Just uh, those elder, desert bulls don't do anything during the middle of the day. They they do some bed bugling and that's and then, true. We heard uh, some bed bugling. We we saw them come out on their hillside up top and just determined that there wasn't a good play to make. So yeah, started work on our way back towards camp and and uh, what happened there? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're heading back to camp. And, um, again, the same thing. We heard a bugle, like, probably, like, what, 200 yards from us? Two, 300 yards, yeah. And we were actively walking back at this point, weren't mm -hmm. we? Yep. So we were literally walking back, not necessarily to camp, but, like, 
on the way to camp. Yeah, we were hunting to camp, exactly. Until end of legal hours and probably what 30 or 45 minutes between end of hours or an hour maybe yeah under an hour i'd say yeah under an hour we hear a bugle like 200 yards from us on the same ridge top we're on so we start sneaking over there all you three of us wind. check our wind yeah always gotta check the wind that's i use probably the entire bottle of wind checker which, which you, know, you should yeah so i was um, a nazi with that thing check your wind check your wind <laughs> but i like after like the first day i was doing it constantly yeah, you were um, but yeah, that's that's another thing, dude. You gotta check that win. But um, so anyway, um, walking in, and then I just I don't know I I wasn't paying attention enough, and I was like messing with some un, like unneeded gear, and just I think I was like just kind of tired. I don't know. I just I wasn't taking my time, and um, we ended up busting that elk. He was in his bed. Yeah, I mean, probably 60 yards, we watched him just get up out of his bed, and yeah. and uh, he took off, and we saw another cow and calf, and that was just kind of... So you think I was just going too fast and too careless, kind of? Or what do you think? Yeah, but I don't... Even if you were being sneaky sneaky, I that still would have been a really tough situation to get a shot off in. Yeah. It was also bedded, which all the other elk we had seen were getting up on their feet and feeding. I was not expecting and to be so looking for a bedded elk. I really wasn't expecting to be looking for a bedded elk either. And you yeah. couldn't see him until he stood out of his bed. And you didn't see him. St- I, I watched him stand out of his bed. And But I, that's the last time you really used that tripod. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because I... I was brutally honest with you this whole trip on stuff. Oh, and yeah. I just no, told you, I was like, I'm glad you're you not going to have a chance to, s- under 100 yards on an elk, set up a tripod yeah, that to was get stupid. it on that there. That was like a crutch, honestly. I was, you know. Um, but you didn't know. But here's the thing, too. It. Here's the thing, too. Like, just going back to the style of hunting, like, what I'm used to at this point is, like, see an animal, go after it, and try to kill it. Mm-hmm. Not like it's different from stalking up on you know it's it's not this it's different with this with the muzzleloader too it's like I called it a glorified archery hunt yes. you have a little bit more range and like you don't have to draw back but you still have to get in their bubble as I call it yes and closing that last distance with elk is so hard yeah thank you you articulated that well <laughs> um. So anyway, that was end of end, end of, of day one. Day. Yeah, um, we headed back. Well, they they weren't really they bugled some that night, but not like the first night. I don't know. I slept through it. Yeah, he slept. Um, okay, that that's pretty much all that happened, wasn't it that day? Yeah, that's it. So next day we wake up. Okay, the next day I said let's let's go to. There's kind of an initial spot like right after that first ascent from out of our camp where we could glass this basin that we've been kind of hunting to this point uh we knew had multiple elk in it the day before so we went up there um we didn't hear as much that morning and we kind of already had the plan of um heading to the opposite ridge the one we were glassing the previous night because that's where all the elk had like pretty much went up onto like the direction they were going so we went over on that side and when we got about halfway up that like finger we heard a bugle on the opposite like the next basin over the next drainage over and so we worked up that um finger ridge 
trying to keep even with that bugle, and then because we caught, we kind of saw him. This the is last, when the boot happened, right? Yeah, but uh, we the last we saw a cow and a calf. Yeah. And that bull, and that was that nice bull that I'm. That's the first bull we actually saw when we went into scout. I don't think scout. I never even saw him. I just saw the cow and calf. And I, I saw him and was like, hey, he's working down the yeah. ridge. But we saw that bull multiple, multiple times. Um, he was the good mass, small back end bull. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, That we saw scouting day one. Yep, okay. But we watched Wait, him. Wait, the first bull we saw? Yeah, that was the first bull he, we saw. Oh, wow, he'd gone all the way over there. Yeah, because he was also the bull that we watched that night on that face working that way yeah. with the cow and the calf remember man it's crazy you can tell them you can tell like I can't even it just comes from like not looking at that many elk I guess but I like he can look at the bull pretty soon and identify if he's seen it before like yeah. which one it is and, and there's, <laughs> there was a number of them in there though that had such a similar frame I'm like I'm not really I did, sure there was a lot of very similar framed like mature nice bulls yep yep but uh, anyway back to the yeah. little stock here is he he kind of worked a little bit uphill and our wind was decent but we needed to we thought he might be moving to a spot and we wanted to try and get ahead and cut him off and work back into him yeah um so we we crest that ridge and we can't see him right remember yeah. that but we spot those two other herds we spot two other herds yeah the, even the next ridge over <laughs> yeah so so we decide to go after one of those. <laughs> so we drop down into the um, the drainage. And at and, this point, you gotta tell this part. And so we're like just starting to drop into this drainage. And then I'm like, oh wait, that bolt is still there. Um, he just uh, he just moved a little bit. So we respot him and like, well, he's the closer one. Well, let's try and put a stock on him. Mm-hmm. And then we have two other plays we can make. Um, Cause that's one of the big things in, in this uh, hunting them at close quarters is if you mess up a stock, if you have another option of like another herd over there to go play on, yeah. you should you should play one to then go play the other. Yeah, I saw you doing that. That's a really good point. I saw Kobe doing that a bunch of times where you got yeah, like you're leaving yourself other options to hunt. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's important. I think that's because a good if takeaway. we would if we would have just gone to those other ones, you blow the other ones. You yeah, you blow the one in front of you away, but. We're, so we decide we're going after this bull that we had spotted first, and we're <laughs> three quarters of the way down this hill. We're in cover, and I just hear, "Hey, hey, Kobe!" <laughs> and Chad just lifts his foot up, and the <laughs> sole of his boot is hanging on by a thread. It is just flopping. Oh my god! And he's like, "You guys go. I'll stay here." And he said, he said when he was coming down the hill, he's like, man, why is someone high-fiving the bottom of my boot? Because <laughs> the sole was slapping the oh bottom gosh. of his boot. So that's, that's where these dang lacrosse boots come into play. Is yep, they exploded, basically. Footwear is so dang essential. And, and this is some of the gnarliest, like, walking terrain. It's this gnarly... It, it, yeah. If you could imagine, like, the worst place to ever field test a boot, this is it. Yeah, it's like boot it's, hell. Because it's limestone, and limestone jagged. is super jagged and erodes very uh, uniquely, so it has sharp edges, and it's, like, resistant to weather, and so it, it will really wreak it's havoc like on... Uh, it's like walking on knives and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> on your boots, so... And also, 
something to mention that's cool about the terrain is literally like every five steps, if you're looking down, you'll see like fossilized snails. Yeah, there's everywhere. A, there's a bunch of and then Kobe stuff. found a sick like big like looks like a nautilus. Like I don't uh, know what it is, but it's a big huge cool snail thing. And he gave it to me, which is nice. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, um, I kind of regret that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's one of my like. Well, it's gonna be. It's gonna have a place of pride on my shelf. Awesome. Um, but. So Good. then we we uh, we continue without without Cuzo. Yep, continue without Cuzo because literally his boots fell apart, and I texted him at least two months before this hunt, the and uh, like a list of stuff because I wanted him to have it in writing. I also talked to him in person. I didn't just text them. I talked to him in person as well. But I gave him a list. Number one on the list, boots. I was like, footwear will ruin or make or break a hunt. Like have your boots squared, and of course he didn't. But. That's just Cuzzo, you know? It's all right. <laughs> so, but anyway, he had to eventually... We, we, oh, yeah, we got to tell the whole windy we, story. We blow out a little raghorn in the bottom, and we kind of think that that raghorn pushed the bull that we were stalking yeah. away. So that stock didn't happen. But you so. did say just, like, give it a few seconds. That doesn't always take the herd bull out, yep. which came into play later, too. Yes. So as we blew that, and I'm like, hey, just settle for a minute. Don't keep advancing because when an elk blows out, other elk are super tuned in on that spot. And so if you don't emerge immediately, you have a chance. Um, wow, yeah. So but that's important. Look at that. Well, we got some lava flows. We're driving here. through black lava flows right that's now. That's wicked. Um, um, so we get down there, we, we bust that one bull, and Kobe's like, all right, just chill, it's fine, give it a second. We just waited, what, like 30 seconds or something? Maybe minute a minute. Or two. Maybe minute a minute. Or two. Okay. Yeah. And then we pushed on. Um, at this point, we get up. We, we don't find that bull, but we get up on this next little ridge. If you guys are watching YouTube, go Valley check it out. Valley of Fires, it's called. We're driving through the Valley of Fires. Interesting, uh, interestingly, I've driven through this before. It's really cool. It's like these black magma stones. Check out the YouTube version of this, guys. Um, and I'm sorry we're not doing more video, but we're just kind of breaking it down. But anyway, um, and we're driving. So at this point, we identify another bull. And we finally, he's over there. Um, okay, Kobe's setting the camera up, so you may watch and see us just driving down the highway. I don't know, does that work? If we just like wedge it in there? No? Okay. Um, anyway, we see a bull. And he's got like four cows with him, and one of them's bedded. The other ones look like they might bed soon. So we just decide to watch him, and we find out that we realize that we're watching him for a second. He beds like, and he was just probably 500 yards as the crow flies. Here, just put my jacket under it. First bedded bull we've like had a chance to like yeah. try and make a play on. The first and only bedded bull we had a play on the whole time. Just cram the whole like thing up there. It's fine. Um. All right, now if you guys want to watch, you can see how, uh, the road as we're cruising down the highway on YouTube. Um, search my name, Hunter McWaters. That's how you find it. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> I watch in bed, and we decide we're going to work around the basin, get on top of them, and then That's try to make a play. Yeah, whatever. So Kobe's messing with stuff, so I'm just going to keep telling the story. We work around the basin. We get to the top. We think we're about 150 to 200 yards from the bedded bull because, oh, yeah, okay, we got to add this. 
We used Onyx. They have like this range finder tool. Um, and we were able to put a pin like pretty dang close to where this bull was. Like very close. Even like, I don't know, probably within 20 yards. Um, or less. So <clears throat> we're going to the basin, stalking in. How did I do on that stock, Cubs? Good. Uh, the other thing I'm going to mention is when you are, like, making a stock like this, you should predetermine some landmarks that are easily findable yeah. once you're closing in. So we had this deadfall snag log that was laying on the ground. We're like, okay, he's probably 50 yards underneath this. Um, and it's, it's hard to determine, actually, how far uh, elk or the animal is on that landscape on the hillside across. Like it looks yeah. like there's more span in between. Um, it's very it's and, very hard if you're coming from not identifying terrain like you are, mm-hmm. which is already already difficult for you, 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 you're saying. Coming from me who like I'm still very much learning about this part of the hunt, you really have to make markers or else you're gonna lose that thing. It's, yeah. it's real, like once you start moving quite a bit of different distance, it's pretty hard to identify yeah. what you're looking at. But, um, so yeah, on this stock, you did good on like, not, you were very, you concentrated on your walking and your foot placement and where you were doing, but not overly. And you slowed down a little bit more. Finally, you were the first couple, in my opinion, were just moving a little quick, just like trying to get to that animal. Right. And, uh, but in this situation I said, Hey, we have all the time in the world. Just take it easy. So, yeah, we get down in there, and uh, what happened? So yeah, I was just thinking about how. Um, we meant, a- well, I was just thinking about like a stalk and how I like you like you said. I was really like in my mind. There's an animal there. Let's get to it. As opposed to you really got to just say I'm going to cover ground and get close. And with every inch I move, I'm analyzing terrain looking for a leg, looking for an ear flicker, a piece of antler. Um, you gotta really focus and move quietly. So a lot of times on these stalks, I'd be looking down at my feet so hard and really trying to sneak that I would not be looking for animals. And that would, and then like you just hear, they're gone, you know? So that's something that, it may seem obvious, but something I just felt like we should mention. But we get into, um, oh, so I got a call coming in. County. Just whatever. Um, sorry, call guys. But um, what was I talking about? Okay, yeah. So we stalk into. We didn't know this at the time, but we're about fifty yards from this bull. I feel the wind hit the back of my neck, and I was like, "Oh, that's not good." But I was like, "Just we're so close, we can't back out. Like we just had to kind of continue." As that's happening, I had opened Onyx and looking at my Onyx, look up and see our landmarker stick laying there that we had determined. I'm like, oh, there it is. And literally as that thought process is going through my mind, they'll just explode out of their beds. Yeah. Boom. Wind just switched. So that was a situation where we did the stalk well and did it right. Um, but the wind just swirled on us and yeah. they were gone. We controlled what we could and, and then uh, the factors that you can't control it ended up getting us. Yep, so, so. anyway, um, that was a bummer. A little bit. Yeah, but you felt way better That's after true. that stock. Yes, Even though it wasn't successful, it was successful in ways of, hey, I did this better, 
we did this right. Yep. You're just like, did, did I do good? Did I do that right? I was yeah. like, absolutely. I wouldn't have changed a thing other than maybe a if we would have been 10 yards downhill, maybe that wind wouldn't have got to him. But we don't know that at the time. And also, yeah. it's hard to know exactly where that elk is bedded, even when you think you know. Yeah. You can only get it so close in your mind. You can't. Yeah. It's not, you're never going to be ex- exact, usually. But, yeah, I remember saying to you, I was like, I'm more encouraged by how we executed the stock than, I'm, than I am discouraged about, the you know, not shooting that elk. Yep. There is literally a ball of cactus on the floorboard of my truck. I'm driving barefoot. The heck is that? Okay, sorry. <laughs> There's a piece of cactus on the floorboard. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but we felt good about it. Yep. So then get a hold of your cuz, and we're going to go meet on top of, like, the tallest hill in the area to do some glassing for yep. the rest you of can the see everything from this hill. Yeah. So, and Kobe dropped something after talking crap about my camera carrier. God. The most <laughs> sickening sound in the world. I dropped my camera from five feet directly on its lens. Directly on a rock. Directly on a rock. This is why you use clear UV filters. UV zero filters, clear filter, have your lens cap on. It absolutely shattered my filter. $100 filter down the drain. Versus shoot up your 12. lens cap too. Yeah. Shoot it hit up the, hard. Shoot up the lens cap. Got the lens filter, completely shattered, glass everywhere, but that $1,200 lens is uh, completely fine. It warped the O-ring, too, on your thing. Yeah, but... uh, The lens is good, though. Lens is great. Uh, That was a close one. Use clear filters, use your lens caps. That's what we got for you on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we get up there. Cuz is all, you know, down because he basically has to drop, like, hike His back. His other soul yeah. fell off the other boot. <laughs> the other boot blew up, too. So he's literally taping them back and using shoelaces to tie them together. And he's, like, pouting. Not pouting, but he, he didn't want to leave. Let's put it that way. And he had to basically hike himself back to camp in the heat of the day. With half boot with, soles yeah, taped on. With taped on boot soles. But there's nothing we could do. Like, we were in there, and I told him, too. I gave him, four, like, plenty of warning on this hunt. I was like, man, this is what you need to be prepared. If you don't have time to prepare properly, I was like, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm going to be in hunt mode. This is a big tag. Obviously, we're not going to leave you somewhere that's not safe. But, like, you know, like, I'm going to be in hunt mode. And so you, you can keep up. But if you need to take rests, if you need to sit down or whatever, it's fine. Um, but... If you need to like stay in camp a day, that's fine too. But I need to hunt hard on this. And he knew what he got to get himself into. But he had to hike back, drive an hour and a half into camp, into camp or into town, and get those like twenty four ninety nine specials or something. Eddie Bowers. <laughs> oh yeah, Eddie Bowers. <laughs> no, the guy was trying to sell him like yeah. the name brand of this like twenty four dollar Mexico boot. sporting goods store for like twenty four dollar boots uh. and. And he, thankfully, he didn't trust those. He went with old Eddie Bowers, and they treated him good the rest of the trip. Yep. But uh, we uh, we then glassed for a bit. <laughs> um, and uh, what did we end up spotting? Um, okay, I'm trying to think what happened that night. Um, sorry, I was messing with the camera there. Um, I don't remember. My, I don't remember. What did we see that night? 
that is when we saw all those bulls and cows bedded on that nice flat spot that we thought would be a, a decent oh, spot the, for a Oh, yeah, stop. this is the night, yeah. Okay. So. This is the, the night that, yeah, we blew a really good opportunity, but, or I did. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we see a bunch of elk over there. We got to kind of. from camp. Yeah, Like, yeah. They're, they're pretty far. They're, so, how far was that total from camp, you think? Three to four. Between three to three, it was three to three and a half. But was it? And it was two drainages or three drainages over. Three. It was three drainages over. So it doesn't seem they like they were in that. They were in the third. Yeah. yeah, we had to go through the two. So it doesn't sound like bad mileage, and it wasn't bad mileage, but it's very rugged and it's a lot of up and down, and it's not an easy hike over there. No, it's not even for Cobes. It, well, it, the thing is, is three to four miles from camp in this area that we're hunting is a lot like this is the most roadless area we could find in the whole unit and, and that's why we were so stoked to be hunting it um so it's it's not that far in the grand scheme of things but for this tag in these conditions yep. like it's it's a it's a little bit of a trek for sure um and it's hot i mean you're in the desert it's yeah, it's, it's rugged it's country hot. and then it's cold in the mornings yeah it's cold in the mornings and in the evenings like really cold like we're getting frost and yeah. stuff and then like during the day you have to be in shade or you will just fry um but we we were able to get shade and nap and it was it was nice staying out there all day too if you're able to get enough shade um and just bring enough water but so that night we bomb after these elk and um best stock yet in my opinion best stock yet first we did we we spooked another satellite, didn't we? No. No. Remember, I caught those cows when we were coming down the ridge. I was like, "Hey, we got to cut it back to the right." Okay. Yeah. Oh, but mid stock, we yeah, did spook we did. that satellite. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So we're stalking in. This is a long stalk. Like I think it was a third of a mile, and um, that we were kind of shadowing this it herd. It was, and it was thirty-five minutes total. Yeah. Um, we're half. Well, probably two thirds of the way done with it. Well, done as in like to the end of the stock when that uh, we went to shoot that gap. Yeah, and then and I just a saw legs. Yeah. I saw legs, and you were you were pretty down when we bumped that, and I was like, hey. Yeah, I thought the elk, whole there's elk everywhere. Yeah, this I, satellite going is not gonna bump all these elk out of here. Just keep going. Yeah. Don't even think about that happening. Yeah. See, I was like, I heard it was like I heard you know once again legs running away, and I was like, dang, like we're done, but. Kobe's like, no, keep going. So we went in and we we worked on this big bull. We got definitely in muzzleloader range a couple times. We stalked really well, but it just he was in some thick brush and I just didn't get the best opportunity. Didn't happen, basically, long story short. Um, but it was a really nice bull. And we decided to actually come back and look for him again the next day. Um, so I don't know. It was it was kind of disappointing, although it was a good stock. But we were kind of down because I basically should have got this elk, but it just didn't come together. So um, we knew we had a really long walk back to camp that night. But that was the biggest rut fest that we were in the middle of yes. yet. Yes, when it got dark, they were just going off everywhere. And so... We knew that was a really good area, um, and we wanted to get back in there anyways. So, um, and we kind of wanted to find this bull again. Um, so we start making the trek back. At this point, Cuz is not with us, is he? No, we came back alone that night. No, he no. was in camp still from getting his shoes. 
So we trek back, and he's got dinner kind of waiting for us. Bro, he, he got me. Oh ta- yeah, he got me Taco Bell and a what was that? A Dosakis? Yeah, like a double. Like, a, <laughs> yeah, like a double beer, whatever they're called. Tall yeah. boy. Tall boy. Tall yeah. boy. Yeah, we weren't partaking in any of that out Kobe there. Kobe was so long, stoked. After a long trek <laughs> that day. Man, I was stoked for some Taco Bell yeah. and, a, and a brew. We did probably day. like 14 miles that day. That was uh, that 13, was our 13 mile day. 13 the, mile. the next day is our our big day. Yeah. So which started out interesting. We were we thought we, we had out. a better better route into there. Remember? Yeah. Uh, wasn't it better? No. When we we drove around that morning. Oh yeah. It so is such a blur in my head, dude. We. Yeah, we thought There's we found road yeah, that ahead. went a lot closer to that side of the chunk, chunk of forest. Is it forest service that we're hunting? It's green. Uh, it's yes, green yes, on the map. yes, it is. It's, it's <laughs> national forest. Yeah, um, it's national forest. So we uh, we took this road over there, and then realized that the fork in the road um, actually the fork that we wanted to take had a gate on it and went through private yeah it's hard to tell from the map which roads are public and which ones are private so that's another thing that's part of scouting too we didn't scout this before but we didn't know it was public we we actually we tried to scout it but one fork had a posted on it and one fork did it was kind of confusing so i asked a friend who lived out there he confirmed it is public so but long story short where we needed to go was closed and it was private we couldn't get down there so we went all the way back to camp and then hiked in with so, my cousin. Uh, unfortunately, the sun is up by the time we were hiking this day. It just yeah. didn't work out for us. But we got back in there, and uh, we saw some elk right away once we got into that third drainage. Yeah. Um, they were by that tank that yep. was dry. And then they just worked off, and there wasn't really a move to go after them. And so we got up and glassed that ridge where we last saw the bull on. Yep. Um, and we looked for him for a while. Yeah, found some sheds that we hung in, hung in trees because uh, they were chalkers. And, and we found. I don't the, think uh, Delta let me nah. check that uh, five point. <laughs> you could, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. Wait, what were you gonna say? We found that water. Yeah, we found the first like. I don't know if you'd say it's natural water, but it wasn't like a plastic tank. It was like just like. It looked like a like a tiny pond or a giant elk wallow. It was just like some water. Yeah, but all these tanks. It was also the convergence, I remember, of two drainages. drainages. Yeah. Um, but also all these so-called tanks from like cattle the ranchers. Big, yeah, all of them are dry. Like yeah. literally every single one of them. This that is the we first checked. like big water source we found. The yeah. only water source we found. Yeah. Um, and so. Which we found that, and we decided to sit over top of it for the afternoon. Yeah, we just figured we're gonna nap anyway, and like kind of chill. Let's sit somewhere we can kind of see this water, and just chill. So that's what we did. But nothing showed up, um, and, and then, then it wasn't great glassing. And my cousin, to be honest, was kind of like, we saw some elk like the next drainage, the next ridge over, and it was like towards where that road that uh, we couldn't take in. Like, it was the close to that private. And, man, did I want to go over there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I remember, dude. Okay, so it had been a long day already. My cousin was not feeling great. Like, his knee was hurting him. Like, he's a little older than me, and he doesn't 
do really any, um, you know, working out or training for this kind of thing. So the fact that he was even there with us was like somewhat impressive, to be honest. He put on over 10 that day. Yeah. Yeah, he did good and he wasn't complaining or anything like that. He just, he just doesn't prepare, for, you know, he just doesn't do this kind of stuff. So, uh, but he did great. And, uh, but he wasn't, he was not going to that next ridge, dude. And to be honest, I wasn't super stoked on it either <laughs> because I was feeling the same way. I was feeling a little down and I knew even if, because they were not close and they were working away from us pretty fast. And if we had killed an elk back there, you know, the pack out would have been very, very hard for all of us and like borderline dangerous for my cousin. Or like undoable. Yeah. <laughs> Not you know what I mean? Like yeah. legit undoable for him. Um, it would have been a multi-trip and probably the second trip, me and Kobe doing it alone. Um, it would have been hard. So I'm not saying we didn't do it because it would have been hard, but maybe I am. I don't know. It just didn't seem like the move at the time. Plus, they were kind of going away. It just, yeah. I don't know. It I didn't spotted. seem like a high percentage play, but I did have to pull your ass off those elk, though. You did. You <laughs> did have to pull me off those. I really did. I was like, all right, Cub, I know you I know you love them. I know you want to go after them, but, like, let's just let's see if we can find some elk the other way. So Saw the first is decent, what it is. decent mule deer, the only decent mule deer we saw all trip. Yeah. Uh, saw, I saw him for about five, six seconds as he was rebedding. Yeah. Nothing, nothing big, but he's the only decent one. We saw a couple yeah. of little guys, but um, so yeah, we worked back towards camp, and really, not another thing happened that day. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that was that was, and we 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 felt a little like, mm, you know, I, I just didn't want to push my cousin too hard, and he was telling us, dude, I I don't know if I can make it over there, guys. So. Um, and I'm not blaming him either, too. I, I also wasn't, like, totally feeling it. But nothing else really happened that day. Um, and we are going to take a short break because I'm going to pee, and then we're going to pick this back up. All right, we're back. <laughs> so we're at the end of the day before it all went down. And it was a long day mentally, physically, we did about what? Was it 14 miles that day? It was 14 point something that day. So me and Kobe did 14 point something that day. My cousin kind of... Over 10. Over 10. Yeah, he did most of it. He didn't go on every little move we went on, but he was hanging in there. Uh, wasn't really feeling it, but we went back that night. Next... Okay, so at the end of that day, my cousin... There was this one kind of area where we got to where me, where you could glass this first drainage from camp before going right back onto camp so we got there a little bit before dark and I said hey guys I'm gonna um just sit and glass this until dark I was like cuz you head back to camp and we'll and I'll see you at dark and then Kobe was like yeah I was thinking the same thing so me and Kobe went out there and <clears throat> it could just be um the elk just had moved on it could be a little bit of that you know we've been in there hunting and, and pushing elk around a little bit not a lot but a little um for a couple days and that night was just eerily quiet in our crickets. little, yeah, crickets in our little honey hole, uh, that first drainage. So, um, me and Kobe both kind of decided, hey, let's we gotta change it up in the morning. Um, and pretty much came up with the same plan in our heads. Yeah. Like driving that one road. Yeah. So the the the, the road that we had just recently um, tried just, to go on. 
just did we say the name of the road earlier? No, we okay. did not say the name of the road earlier. That's why I was like the road. Yeah. So the road that we weren't sure about. Now we knew we could get access on it. So we're like, hey, let's go check that out because, because it got us deeper into that area. And and that was the general direction where yeah. the big herd of elk were going. Yeah. I did not think that they were going to work all the way over to that road. But I thought they might be in a playable range potentially, and also yeah. with all those elk over there, figured there was more elk over there. Yeah. So we did that. We went back up there, and we climbed the first decent-looking knob over what we thought might be some water. A couple miles back there, and same thing. We get up there, crickets. Well, I spotted a couple elk like two drainages over. Or uh, three. You spotted elk over where we left those elk. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and that's something else I was saying about how, like, these dudes like Kobe who just grew up in the mountains, like, you can drive them, like, 40 miles away, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's the ridge where those elk were on two nights ago after we walked from camp and saw them, and, and like, you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? We're looking in a completely different direction, and you're just like, I don't know, up from down, and I'm like, yep, that's that ridge, you see <laughs> yeah. that mountain, that's the big mountain we glassed off of, there's that tank, Yeah. it's just like... So I'm learning it, I'm getting there, folks, but I'm not there yet, Kobe's a wizard, um, <laughs> and most of these guys that grew up here, out here, are like that, um, but... Not to discount Kobe, he's the man. Um, so, but basically, it was dead. And I remember Kobe was like, "We just." I was kind of trying to figure out what our next play was, and he was like, "We just got to go." So I didn't really know exactly at that point, but we just started packing. It was crickets. Yeah, right. yeah. I got a cactus in my leg. Oh yeah, <laughs> that really we get to the top really of, hurt. <laughs> we get to the top of the glassing knob. I show Kobe go, "Ooh, I." <laughs> like something just wild and I look down he's got like an entire cactus just jammed in his shin <laughs> uh, I have like 30 marks in my shin from that <laughs> right thing. in the shin dude the meaty part of the shin oh Ugh. so um, that was that could have been contributing painful. to why there was no elk there <laughs> no screamed. definitely not <laughs> um, but yeah we were we were up there and it was just nothing and you're like what do we do i'm like well it's still the good part of the day we have to go to a different spot whether that's further down uh this road or uh we had discussed a different plan for that evening we had kind of a plan for that evening hunt uh not in that area given the fact that if we did not find elk in that area but you're like it was time for a big time plan b you're like, what if we just go hit that right now? I'm like, yeah. well, how far is it? Is it still going to be, are we going to be getting there in the middle? Because the, this is a little bit of a drive. Yeah. Uh, what did we determine, like 40 minutes? Yeah, 30, 40 minutes. It wasn't like crazy, but it was early enough in the morning where we could still get over there. And they'd been bugling until like the, the, the previous day. Yeah, it was noon. like 11, 11, 30. They were still bugling. So So I was like, I think we can get over there um, and, and try this thing we're going to do in the afternoon right now. Major terrain change. Go into that. Major. Like so at this point we're like we're like in the desert for days. Like it's kind of it's rough but we're used to it. Like that's what we've been doing. And um the other part of this unit, like I said, is more alpine, more dark timber. I wouldn't go as far as alpine, but it's yeah, it's, okay. it's it's, it's it's timbered higher country. Okay, it's about um, two thousand. Sorry, I'm, I'm not from the mountains. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's two miles or uh, two thousand feet higher. And it's not desert. It's explain. It's Pondo Forest. It's uh, 
I don't know if I'm not the best at trees, but maybe some lodge pole. It's it's timbered, thick forest. It's like mm-hmm. forest you would truly hunt in Montana, Idaho, uh, yeah, in like Wyoming, I guess, out in Colorado type of stuff. It is a timbered forest. Yeah. That same type of ground vegetation, deadfall, uh, very elky. It's what I know elk hunting in uh, very well. Uh, it felt like home, and it was weird to be in New Mexico in that to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it is. It's not quite. It's not the Alpine though. In my mind, yeah. I think Excuse of the Alpine as Alpine. like high country, yeah. jagged peaks, just like that type of right. stuff. But it, it's it's higher country. Yeah. It is the high country. That's what unit. I meant. I just meant it's like conifer forest and green yep. and like aspens and two thousand feet higher. Um, so. But anyway, I got to go back a little bit. I got to get a little mushy here because I think this is for somebody. But at the end of that long day, you know, I'd missed a couple really good opportunities. Like, or at least I felt that I had missed some really good opportunities to fill my tag. And a couple long days, and I just, I don't know, like sometimes I just have too much pressure myself. Also, this is a weird hunt because even though it's my it, the whole thing's a weird dynamic because it's my first elk specific elk hunt and it's in this amazing tag it's amazing place tons of elk so really unique situation and great place to learn but anyway um i was just feeling a lot of pressure to get my first elk on this hunt because it's a really good chance to do it there's a lot of elk they're vocal um it's a cool hunt so all this stuff is coming together and I'm hitting that, I don't know if you guys have ever done hunts and, and this is not just this week. I'm also, like I said, I'm headed to Montana right now. So I'm going to be away from the family for over two weeks. So when you're in that situation too, and you got young kids at home, I have an infant and two other kids, you know, those, those ideas start to come in your head, start to eat at you a little bit. Like, what are you doing out here? Like you should be home with your kids. Just like all the stuff that we all know that dark spot you can get to sometimes on a hunt. That's where I was. And so I woke up like an hour before my alarm clock went off and all these thoughts are just racing. I'm just not, I'm just kind of down and stressed about like filling this tag. And I reached out to my wife, sent her text. She sent me some encouraging words that helped out a lot. She always helps me out of those, those times. So thanks, uh, dear. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, then I got up. What's up? Did you hit record? No, I didn't. That's okay. I didn't okay. either. <laughs> no, I did. Mine's recording. Uh, mine wasn't. Okay, Sorry. well, I got the camera file. Yeah. And Sorry, technical folks, yeah, guys. Yeah, my bad. Um, you got so up. I got up an hour early, not because I wanted to, just because I couldn't sleep because I was like, my mind is racing. And I um, made some coffee. I sat in my sleeping bag outside on the cooler. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but I took my sleeping bag outside, sat in that thing on the cooler outside. I drank my coffee and I read the Bible and I prayed as Psalm 37 and Psalm 38. They're like my go-to, at least Psalm 37 is like my go-to for like when I feel down and out on a hunt. Like it always just makes me feel better. And says, um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So a lot of the times in these hunts, I feel like I'm stressing out so much to try to fill this tag that I forget to delight myself in the Lord which to me means enjoy creation, enjoy the just the experience, enjoy the people I'm with, um, enjoy the hunt and not get so wrapped up in filling the tag. Um, and at that point, 
I felt, and my cousin gave me a big hug after he woke up and we said a prayer together and it just, it was like a reset button. It was wild. I just felt good again. Um, even though we went to that first spot and there's nothing there, but jumping ahead a little bit, when I got to this more green mountainy, whatever you're saying, Ponderosa forest kind of deal, the high country, the high country. Yeah. And it's a little cooler and we're walking on this trail and it's beautiful. We are walking past some fall colors. Yeah. There was like some yellow golden aspens, big trees, super green. We saw this like pack of wild horses, which looking back was pretty sick. You were stoked on them. I was like, eh. Yeah. (laughs) It looked cool guys. Um, anyway, uh, so I just felt at peace. Like I was, I think I even said it to you, Kobe. It's like, I just feel at peace in here. Yeah. And, um, and I just did. So that, that time of prayer and, and reading the Bible really helped me out. And I wasn't so much stressed anymore about like killing an elk. I was just like in the moment I was enjoying myself. I was enjoying the surroundings. Um, so it just felt good. And that's usually to me when things happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a particularly religious or spiritual person, but mindset in a hunt is the biggest contributing factor. Like if your mind is not right and you are not in the right headspace, you will look as everything going wrong rather than looking at things as they come, rolling with the punches, getting through it and learning from it. So headspace is seriously the, one of the biggest contributing factors factors to a successful hunt. And whether you look at that successful hunt as the time out there and the learning or the actual success of harvesting something. So being able to get that mindset flip after a couple hard, frustrating days is was a big, big thing for you. So um, very well yeah. said. Very well said, Cobes. Um, so we, we walked those bottoms in. And uh, then what happened? So, sorry. Um, so we walked. We're walking in there. I'm feeling great. I actually did. Like, at this point, I'm just having fun. I hadn't, I, I you know, I got one of those uh, Phelps Easy Buglers. Um, nothing crazy, but I, you know, watched the YouTube video, figured out how to blow it. And I was like, I got to at least blow this thing one time while I'm in New Mexico, dude. <laughs> because, because uh, I probably portrayed a little bit of a factor into you not using it before True. that. True, Kobe's. It is, it is not my style. I'm yes. not a caller in elk hunting. I personally don't know how to bugle. I might cow call a little bit. So I definitely rubbed off on you a little bit of like, hey, you're, don't give up your location, spot and stop yes. this. Yes, and I like that because it. we didn't need to call. No. Like it was never, but I felt but like at this time, at you're this just like, I got to rip this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't need the call. Yeah. And, and also, yeah, Kobe's more of a uh, spot and stalk hunter and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we were in this area. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to freaking rip this thing, Kobe. And he's like, go for it, dude. <laughs> so I ripped it. Nothing. He went to the bathroom. I ripped it again before he came back. So he couldn't tell me not to. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, but nothing happened. Um, but anyway, I ripped it. And then we started going down and Kobe's like, dude, we should get off trail and hit the top of this ridge because that's where they're going to be bedded. And They've uh, already fed out of the bottoms. Uh, there's these nice green pasture looking bottoms, great feed, good amount of fresh sign. Yeah, deer sign. We saw turkeys, but everything. If we had been there as dawn is happening, 
you want to walk that timber edge into there. Um, okay, stay good concealed. Point. Um, so that would have been productive if we'd hit there like right at like first yes, light. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But so I was kind of sneaking through the middle there, but sneaking. Not sneaking. I was walking through. The, actually, I might have been a little bit too much at peace because I was just like on a nature walk. Yeah, yeah, I was on a nature walk, dude. <laughs> I was scanning, but yeah. I was just. I wanted to get. Plus, there was a. There was a. Uh, we were, we were moving into it. Yeah, there was a tank that I wanted to check. And but anyway. essentially, I, I told you, if we continue to do it like this, we will find nothing. Right. Um, but you would go, have. But if it was like dawn, you would have. Yes, I would have walked there? the edges. Okay. I would have walked the edges. Like snuck the edges. Yep. yep. Because okay. you want that cover. You want to stay yep. concealed. Um, that's good. But that's a good note. They will be down in those bottoms feeding. That's why there's a fresh poop down in the bottoms that we yep. saw. Yeah. Um, but I, knowing what I know, I knew that they were going to be up these finger ridges bedded uh down off the top of the main ridge they like to bed up on benches just off of the main ridge up higher and we they found like that to out gain that elevation uh to their bedding area and uh yep so we're five minutes into our walk up this hill and we just randomly stopped at that spot yeah pretty much yeah and um, uh well, what happened was we're going up oh yeah yeah you got to tell them about the what? Finding the... Oh, the balloon? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, the couple nights before, Kobe found a popped mylar balloon and picked it up, and he's like, balloons are good luck, bro. Balloons like, are good luck in the Alkwoods. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's what he said. So, we're going up there, about halfway up this hill, I find one, I pick it up, and I said, apparently these things are good luck, says somebody I know. So, put it in my pocket, and um, we get to the top of the ridge, and I started seeing a little bit of sign. I started seeing some droppings up there, and I'm like, mentally, I didn't say this, but I'm saying mentally, all right, let's just slow it down a little bit. And I started sneaking through there, and then I remember I checked my wind, it was good, and then I kind of like looked up and I see a cow and calf kind of trot in front of us down into the bottom, or down lower. Yeah. And so, I don't think Kobe, you didn't see them, did you? I saw a different. I saw a different cow. Okay, but anyway, at that point I'm like, okay, we're in some elk, and but it was literally we didn't even have time to make a next decision before we heard a bugle rip off to our right, like under 200 yards, like yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, we were like in there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that game's on at that point. I wonder. Do you think that was the elk I shot? No, no? I think that was the further one down the ridge. Okay. Um. Okay, why don't you pick it up from here, Cub? I want to hear how you tell it. All right. So. <laughs> I might jump in, though. Yes, absolutely, as you should. Um, we come up with a game plan. This ridge, to kind of paint a picture for you, uh, if there's a main ridge that we are working up a finger ridge, there are three to four more finger ridges coming off this main ridge um, towards where the elk are moving. And that elk, like gets out of there two, 300 yards immediately. Like, they were just moving. So they, he created some distance. So I'm like, all right, we gotta move country and just shadow this herd, check our wind as we go. So um, we're moved through the first finger ridge, moved through the second one. We're just staying to- Keeping our elevation. Keep our elevation, keep your elevation, don't lose your elevation. Because I think at one point I was like, should we kind of go down like straight after him? But you were no, let's circle around. No, like, that was that it. was me. I was like, hey, we can make this aggressive play and get down to this bottom, and you might have a shot up there, 
or we circle around and keep doing what we're doing. I was like, what do you want to do? And you took off and kept circling, which I thought was a good call. Um, cool. But I gave you the option for the, the more aggressive play, which I thought could potentially work. We'd been, at that point, 20-plus minutes shadowing this herd. Yeah. And uh, I, I just felt like, I guess, analyzing it, from what I learned at this point, I felt like going down means there's a good chance you're going to be hunting up at the elk, yes. and that's a disadvantage. Yes, so, absolutely. And, not to mention, you're going to have to come back up again, so even if you get in the elk, you're going to be a little bit more tired, more winded, maybe not make as good of a shot, so like I'm just saying, let's keep going around on Revelation. Plus, he might have been kind of working that way anyway. Yep. Potentially, so... Um, so we... Better uh, to cut off than chase. Yes. We're trying to, essentially, as we're shadowing the herd, we're trying to stay with them, but also get to a position where we can advance and cut them off to where they want to go. Like, that is, that's, like, really the end goal of what we're trying to do is uh, cut these elk off to where they're moving to. Uh, and as they crest a finger ridge and sound like they're a little bit further away, that's your time to move quickly okay, and yeah. make that advance, right? So we got yeah. around that spot. And you saw that cow. Yeah, cow. so we, we worked, I think, to the edge of that, I don't know, I guess the edge of that bowl, I guess you'd call it. And Little kind drainage of, coming up. Yeah, we're about to like get on the other side, the opposite ridge. And, and there's a big flat bench on top. Yeah, and then we heard another bugle rip pretty close. And then that's when I stopped. I'm pretty sure I'm telling this right. And I looked up, that's when I saw like four cows, maybe three cows and a calf or something. Same deal trotting you know broadside from me not super freaked out or looking at me just kind of moving we couldn't tell if they were just moving or kind of spooked by us or, or what the deal yeah. was but uh you go another 20 30 yards and you we hear another bugle rip off another bugle rip off another bugle rip off <laughs> and you just off look all, at me you just they're look going at me, off you, all around us you look at me and you just go i need your help what do i do <laughs> <laughs> okay so the reason I said that is because we're kind of going after this 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 elk, which I'm in my mind at this time thinking he's 300, 350-ish yards away. And then I hear this other one rip off to my left. It sounds like it's about 150 yards away. And so I'm like, do we? This is in my mind. I don't know if this is correct. This is just what I'm thinking. It, this one seems closer to my left. But we've been kind of following this one that's in front of me. So that's why I was like, what do we do? Um, because there was just so much going on. And There's walk four me different through, bowls. Yeah, walk me through why you said what you said. Because that bowl, the new bowl that piped off to your left was actually further than the bowl in front of you. Okay. A. I don't B, know why I thought that. Our wind wasn't bad for the bowl in front of us, but it was less favorable. And I thought, let's make a play on this one that's right in front of us. If we screw it up, we turn around and immediately have a play behind us. Yeah. If we screw that one up, we have another one down further like there were four different bulls bugling in this little area and so it was take the cards right in front of you yep. so yeah my my what i said to him is go try and kill that bull and <laughs> like, point what do we directly do? in front of him <laughs> yeah so uh he's like go you know go try to kill that bull so i do it we're stalking and um you know I'm stalking Kobe's back there he's helped me along the way but I th I'd say you probably helped me the less least on this stock right yeah, yeah I not there were times when I 
I even told him before this, I was like, Kobe, on the next one, appreciate your help, but let me like have to kind of figure it out a little bit unless I really ask you like for help or whatever. Or, or, or I'm really going to yeah, screw this said, up. If I'm really going to screw something up, stop me. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. And so, um, so that's how it pretty much went down on this one. Um, definitely he helped me out a couple times. Definitely in, like in control. Not that I, I mean, I was, there's a stock or two where I was earlier in the hunt where I was like, do this, do this because, yeah. of, because of the closeness of a situation, just like, I go into elk mode. Like I just go straight yeah. into elk mode. <laughs> Which I was like, appreciative of, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but on this one, you definitely handled it very well, obviously because of the ending yeah. uh, that we're about to get to here. But we, yeah. uh, we're Good. Eh, 50 to 70 yards after I said, go try and kill that elk. Yeah. And it was, like, it was right there. I see a butt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and to be honest, like that's another example where, being completely honest here I was I knew we were very close I did not want to bust the thing and this is where I'm still learning as an elk hunter the balance between how much noise you can get away with I'm almost like stalking this thing like it's a bedded mule deer and maybe I shouldn't have been I should have put a little bit more mental energy on looking in front of me and a little less mental energy on looking at my feet Mm. that's something I'm learning that balance of anyway Kobe saw the butt first um and we drop down, I see it, and then I see him staring right at me. And there was a downed log about a yard and a half in front of me, but it was low. It was, it like, was like awkwardly low. It was like, geez, what? 18 inches off the ground or less? Yeah. It was low. Anyway, it was like right in between, like not high enough for a knee shot and not low enough for prone. I almost thought I could lay prone and use as a rest but it was like too high to be prone it was like this weird awkward in between anyway i figured at this range any kind of rest i could probably pull off the shot and i didn't want to risk moving anymore because he was staring right at us staring right at us 80 ish 80-ish yards and i knew that there was one opening in front of him the direction he was like Pointed. It's thick. It's very thick. Very thick. Very thick. All I can see is his face, the basically a dark patch where his face is, and like a little butt. bit of his butt. Yep. And there's an opening in front of him. I know if he takes like one or two steps, he's dead. Um, but he's staring at me. So I get my rifle on the log and I like slowly remove my pack, which from Kobe's perspective, it was probably a questionable call, but... No, I, no, I don't think it was a questionable. I just, you slowly removed it and, like, threw it to the ground. Oh, that not, was kind not of an purposely. Yeah, yeah. Not purposely, but it just, like, it was a big movement. It was big, heavy. Yeah, it was <laughs> heavier than it should have been. Um, it was it was a big movement, and sometimes that's what sends him over the edge. Yeah. But, no, when you have... You can't get your head back because you're packed. Right. As it's, I explained, no, it's a good move. I yeah. did not think it was a bad move. I explained to Kobe in that awkward shooting position, I could not um, get that way with my pack because the frame's kind of high on that pack. And uh, so I had to slide it off. I did make more noise than I would have liked to, but I just, I was just following my gut that I felt like if I did it slowly and carefully, we were far enough away and it was thick enough, we would get away with it. Because I'm kind of getting covered from that log too. Yep. And so um, I slip it off. I got my rifle ready. We sat there, I don't know, for a while. Four or five minutes. Four or five minutes. And I'm. <laughs> what are you thinking? 
I'm thinking I'm about out of media here. Oh, jeez. This is the second time this has happened to me this year, dude. Because I'm 30 straight minutes into recording, yeah. so I had enough when we started this stock. But I'm like under five, I'm like probably like three minutes left of recording. Jeez. And I'm just like, I don't like this. And so he's standing there still, so I'm like... I cannot believe you changed SD cards right then, dude. That is ballsy. so ballsy. Oh, my gosh. But uh, he was staring at us. I got him changed. Didn't have time to format him. Knew I had enough What'd to What'd you do? Just time. go back behind the tree where he couldn't see you at all and just change him real quick? No. My camera was sitting on my backpack. I had my chest rig open. <laughs> I got the SD cards out and ready. Stopped recording. Shut the camera off. Threw the SD cards out. Literally just threw them in the chest pack. Shoved the other two in. As I'm closing the door on that, he takes a step forward. Oh my gosh, dude! And uh, that is wild. So I'm taking my back off. He doesn't just Kobe's... take a step out. He literally takes like two steps towards us. Yep. He stepped. So all this is going down. Kobe's changing SD cards. <laughs> I'm grabbing my pack. I'm getting ready. I'm lining them up in my sights. And um, and he steps out like two steps but also slightly to the right as well where I had a clear frontal shot and uh, I don't know if you listen to the podcast a lot you, you'll probably know like I've talked about before I a lot of my memorable kills or like first species kills or whatever like for some reason it's always a frontal shot I don't know but I've had a lot of frontal shots my biggest whitetail ever caribou from this year my biggest mule deer ever now this guy all frontal shots and it's really deadly if you're in range and you have a good bullet i shoot burger i mean <laughs> i shoot barns sorry barns solid copper um these were the vortex uh muzzleloader bullets 250 grain i usually shoot the vortex um 300 wind mag i may have misquoted the bullet it's uh anyway it doesn't matter barns um i can't remember the what is it magnum mz no, no, I'm shooting the copper TEZ. Sorry, shooting the Barnes copper TEZ muzzleloader bullets. I usually shoot the Barnes Vortex out of my 300 Win Mag. So, sorry, I just want to give a shout out to them because they're one of my best partners. Um, anyway, he's looking at me frontal, and I'm like, I'm going to take this, dude, because in my mind, any second, he takes, if he doesn't take two steps, he's out of, like, there's no shooting lane. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I'm not waiting any longer than I have to. And I looked back. I was like, you on him, dude? You didn't look back. You're just like, you on him? I'm like, yep. <laughs> I didn't look back? I nope, thought I did. Nope. <laughs> okay. I thought I remember looking back. Well, if you I... look back, I didn't see you look back because I was focused on yeah, the Yeah, it's probably a halfway. Just like turn the head. Are you on him? Yeah. And then I heard you make some kind of noise. And then I squeezed it. And uh, I saw the elk. He completely raised up on his back legs. I saw a puff of steam come out of his chest. And then he went completely fall and just fell on his back. And um, and so I knew that was good. Um, but a great elk hunter once told me, <laughs> you don't stop shooting until the elk's on the ground dead. Don't stop shooting until they stop moving. That is one-on-one elk hunting right and there. And that's, yeah. Kobe told me that earlier in the week, so... The scramble of reloading a muzzleloader starts. Yeah, yeah. So I have on my CVA, I got one of those little CVA speed loaders. It's not any faster to load the gun, even though it's called a speed loader. It just 
ensures that you always have two loads with you at all times with the gun. It goes on the, the stock of your gun. It's got two, you can take your uh, pre-measured load, pour it in there, a bullet and a primer. And so I whip that thing out, reload, and um, I start kind of slowly walking towards him because I knew he wasn't dead. And he gets up and starts running. And I'm freaking out. I probably didn't have the best shot, to be honest. He was almost completely running away. But he was still, like, inside 100, I think, or maybe at 100. So I, I took a shot. I don't think that second shot hit him. It may. I don't think it did. Do you? I don't. We can't our, tell because he went down. He went down, but when uh, you we processed it, we did the gutless method, so we never got a good right. chance to identify like if there was another wound in there. But we're not really sure that first shot was really hurt him. So we think that first shot was definitely lethal. It just he could have run for another who knows you, I don't know. you just never know without they are so know. tough and their will to live is incredible yeah. but it but, hit him it hit him square in the chest and exited the back of his abdomen yeah right I mean, in front of the hind quarter and it and when we did the uh, when we did uh quarter him up there was no bullet or bullet damage in any of the quarters so it went straight through his cavity yeah i mean you pulled that one bullet that was the kill the, the the final shot though oh yeah 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 Okay. I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's so, true. Um, anyway. You, you shoot, he goes down again. But he's just stumbling, and he's like almost about to get back up again. But he did fall, and then And then he just lays there calm. Yeah. He lays there calm. <laughs> and then, dude, Kobe got the best video of this. We're, we've been watching it like over and over and like sent, texting it out to people. I don't know. I might make a reel of it or something because it's pretty Western. Yeah. Tell You tell him from your perspective. Well, I don't know. We, we okay. So, he's still alive. You're like I see him breathing. <laughs> he's still alive. I don't want to see the thing suffer. So again, I reload as fast as I can. Um, you circle to the right to get a good angle. I circled the right to get a good angle because I knew he was a good chance he would get up. Also, before this, I realized when I had run up to him the first time, I had dropped one of my muzzleloader loads. And I had two extra loads in my pack, which thank God I packed those. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dude, I didn't want to keep, take my eyes off the elk. And so I was like, dude, I dropped my... And so Kobe went back and grabbed my pack, brought it back to me. I loaded another one. And then that's when I am, I mean, gun-shouldered and ready, walking up. carefully towards him. I circled to the right because I knew if he got up, he was going to go to the right so I circled that way and I step on a twig and like 15, 20 yards from him. Yeah. I had, I had, uh, I saw him working up to him. I mean, I was right behind him obviously, but, uh, I was just like, man, I think, I think he's going to get up here. I'm going to just stay back and, and, and uh, Oops, sorry, call. Just ignore it. Yeah. I, uh, I just had a feeling that he was going to get up and try and make a run for it again. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay back here because I'll get better footage with uh, just staying back. Yeah, so um, real quick, guys, I got to change batteries on my camera. Be right back. Everything good? Everything rolling? Are we back? We're back. We're back, Kobe? Okay. So um, I'm sneaking up on this thing. I am loaded, locked and loaded, ready to go. Um, 
and I step on a twig and this thing gets up like he's gonna sprint full speed and I didn't I mean this is a split second reaction I grew up shooting skeet and shooting ducks and dove and geese so like instinctual shooting is actually like a I'm good at it like I can just pull up so he gets up and I just basically went into I don't know just blacked out basically pulled the gun up and bam and just shot and he piled up and just face planted. He did planted. the scorpion. He face planted. It was <laughs> wild. Yeah. And this is what, 10 yards from him? Yeah, 15 probably. Yeah, not that. I mean, I don't actually know. You were. It was, it was close. easily inside 20 yards, put it and that way. And just seeing that giant animal, like, wriggle itself up, like, with a pretty much fatal wound that would have, like, crushed a deer to death, like, instantly, uh, get up and, like, get his giant body up. And put another one in him, and he dropped. And um, but still, those things are so tough, man. Like he was sitting there, you know, he didn't get up anymore, but he was breathing. It, like it took a minute for him to expire, still. And and that's as a hunter, that's one of the the hardest things to uh, yeah endure and, and uh, watch happen. But uh, we knew he was minutes and seconds away from from passing, and and he passed. And uh, yeah, so um, what an incredible stock, though. Like yeah. that whole that whole half hour of it going down, and then to uh, it was the wildest. How it did. Yeah, it was the wildest emotion ever because it was like this mix of <clears throat> I was super excited. Uh, I, I was scared, you know, that like the thing was gonna get away because we'd have shoot at it so many times, um, and you know I hate. The worst thing in the world ever is wounding an animal and, like, not recovering an animal. It's something that we've all probably dealt with at some point in our lives hunting. But it's literally the worst feeling ever. You know, I'd much rather miss an animal than wound one. So the thought of that thing, you know, getting away somehow, I was just like... And then finally when he was down, it hit me like, we did it, you know? And I look at Kobe and we're just like, woo, we did it! (laughs) I don't even remember, um, but it was it was great. We did a little fist bump. Yeah, we did. Um, so I was just in shock and stoked, and it took a while for the the true emotions to like come through because of the struggle of the hunt up yeah. to that point. Like it wasn't just instantaneous that the the thankfulness and the reward and what was in front of you hit. It, it took a it took him yes. five, ten minutes to truly set in. Yeah, that we did it. Yeah. Because we've been hunting hard. I mean, um, yeah, we've been hunting hard. And and to go also from a really promising spot and hunting it for a few days and missing some opportunities that I, a couple of them I definitely should have capitalized on. Um, and just being covered in elk. And just being covered in elk. And then, and then to get to the point where, like, your spot kind of dries up. And you got to really play, you know, do a plan B. Take a shot in the dark. Take a shot. I mean, completely different terrain, different everything. And it coming together and just the whole thing I was talking about earlier with just letting go and being at peace and enjoying the hunt and the process and not, I wasn't stressing like, let's, oh, I got to kill this elk. I got to kill this elk. It was more just like, literally, I was telling this to the guys earlier, the whole time I'm in the stock, it's really kind of a stressful feeling because your adrenaline's going nuts, but you have to control it and move with purpose and methodically and be very alert. 
And in, in other situations, when I was talking elk, most of the time I was like, just like, I want this to work out. Like, let this work out. Please let me get this elk. This time, I was literally like, just kind of praying. I was talking as I was going, talking to God, like, thank you for this. This is amazing. Like, I have faith in you. This is freaking awesome. Thank you. So I was just, I don't know. It, it was a really interesting experience the way it all went down. It just reminded me again that, you know, and like Kobe said, if it, for him, he, you know, says it's headspace or, you know, how you approach it mentally or where you're at mentally, um, that's so important because it seems like when you just let go of the stress and kind of live in the moment and enjoy it, things just like happen better for you. Yeah. I don't know. So when you fully, truly immerse yourself in that moment and what is, in front of you and you don't have that outside energy and uh, stress, it uh, it generally will work out for you. Um, yep, and it did. And I feel like God blessed us big time. And then we one trip wondered that, baby. Yeah, then, it, so the spot we were at, you kind of, it was kind of a walkthrough hunt. Like, the idea was to have my cousin drop us at one end of this trail and then, um, in this area, and then drive around to the other end and pick us up there um obviously we didn't we had to change plans as we shot this bull um but at this point we had dropped him a pin and he had come back to the original drop-off spot and hiked into us and uh dude he's a cool bull he's not like a giant he's definitely not the biggest bull we saw but you know it was a good opportunity right in front of me on the fourth day of the hunt i'm not passing it up and he's a really cool, mature five-point with, like, great mass. Really good mass. Just ch- absolutely chocolate horn. Yeah. Uh, big thirds. Like, super... One brow tine is super fat and weird. Like, great mass. It's probably, yeah. I'd say, seven and a half inches of mass on the bases there. Seven nice. inches. Somewhere in there. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very good representation of the species. And uh, yep. an elk that's seen some stuff. Yeah. over the last couple of years that's for sure yeah that's what my goal was coming in I know a lot of people that draw this tag um, really approach it as their opportunity to get a really big bull and I totally get that and that's awesome like I have some other friends that hunted the same unit actually um, and that's what they wanted they wanted like a 350 or better my hunt was just different like this is my first elk hunt potentially my first elk and I wasn't looking for, you know, to pass on mature bulls for, a, you know, a dinosaur. I wanted a nice, mature animal. And that's what I got. And I'm super stoked with him. He's got great, like we said, great mass and just a cool bull. So I'm, I was happy. I'm still super stoked with him. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah, man. And so, again, Kobe's the man. Thank you, dude. You helped me out so much and you captured it awesomely. So... Thank you, brother. It's a great way to uh, cap off my uh, freelance career. Too. Yeah. So. Th- this hunt had it all. It had tons of elk, tons of bugles, like. Highs and lows. <sighs> super highs, super lows. Some funny stuff happened. Boots blew up. Cameras got semi-broken. Um, you know, it had the whole gamut. And, like, 
those are the hunts that sometimes in the moment when you're in the I remember saying to you guys a couple times like we're just in the low point we're in the like we're in the crap of this hunt like we gotta just bust through this part and what's gonna get better on the end you know yeah um my knife is out there somewhere oh yeah you lost your knife oh um so anyway it was really cool the way it all went down in the end except for losing the knife yeah um <laughs> yeah but then uh so my cousin makes it up there. Of course, he doesn't bring trekking poles. Doesn't bring anything to snack on. <laughs> Brings like half a water. Half a bottle of water. Like, uh, so it was just funny. But, um, and I called him when he's on the way up. I'm like, where are you at, cuz? He's like, I'm climbing up this mountain. We were <laughs> like, like, what mountain? <laughs> we were like, what mountain? But uh, anyway. Maybe it was the adrenaline of stalking the elk. Maybe it was like, we moved to Wadi Country, yeah. but, uh, we just didn't think it was that that big of a hill. Yeah, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't that big, but it it was going yeah. down it. It was a little bigger than what we had yeah. gone up. Plus, we're at, we were at eighty eight hundred feet, and me and my me and my cousin live at sea level. <laughs> so I mean, he's forty years old, never trains, never done an elk hunt. He comes from sea level, so I'm not I'm not ragging on him too hard. Yes, he could have prepared better, which is just a lesson to you guys if you're listening. If you're going to elk hunt, I mean you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't go out there with the right gear like don't travel across the country on a killer elk hunt or even just any elk hunt with gear that's going to make you lose days of hunting or like just hate your life and that comes with physical preparation too absolutely you got to be prepared physically for this stuff or you're not gonna have the same level of experience um so anyway side note but he did make it there we got the thing all cut up a pretty clean job of it i'd say yeah, um, yeah. And uh, we got out of there, and we got the whole elk out in one trip. I took what, I took one hind extras in the head. You had hind, back straps, tenderloins, head. Uh, I went two fronts and neck meat, and your cuz had, had hind. one hind. Yeah, and, yeah. And, I had, yeah. and he carried my rifle for me out. Yeah. Um, but I will say, and let me just peek at the directions real quick. Are we still good? Straight for a while? Yeah, 77 miles. Okay. So, um, we estimate my pack was around 150 pounds. Yeah. Because I went in heavier than I should have for this style of hunt. I was kind of like not really thinking. And I, I like, for example, I took my spotter and a tripod, which, which were absolutely useless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In this scenario. So, that's just something to make we note were, of. We but, were scrambling when we yeah, got to that spot. We were scrambling. So, it was just like, yeah, it was like we, jump out of the truck and go. We didn't we didn't go through the packs like uh, like should have. But. It was pretty much a jump out and let's go yeah. and try to get like while it's still morning, and it worked out. But anyway, uh, I was about one fifty. Kobe was probably at least one thirty, right? Yeah, I'd say it'd be pushing that. And then my cousin had about ninety. We packed it out, had some dinner that night, uh, and yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. Yeah, that uh, we got a nice cheeseburger. I got, did? got a cheeseburger. It's always what I look forward to uh, when I'm getting out of the woods. Yep, is that a, meal. Just a good cheeseburger. And then this morning we had a really good breakfast at the Mayhill Cafe. If yeah. you're in the area, stop by. Ooh, that was really good. Real good breakfast. Then broke down camp, and now we uh, took the meat to the processor, and I'm headed to drop Kobe off at the airport for a sheep hunt, and I'm going straight to Montana. But I don't know, man. Um, what, what are some of your closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if you are looking into getting into this Western hunting, you've done a trip or two already, uh, but if you're really looking to get into it, some key points are, I know we've already covered them, but boots, they truly do matter. 
Um, some suggestions is Crispy has just great options out there. I personally run the Nevadas. Um, I, was wearing, I was wearing Crispy uh, Altitude Altitudes. GTX, their yep. new boot. I like them a lot. Uh, I wore them in Alaska and this hunt. Two completely different terrain and environments, and they worked well in both. Yeah, another thing is a good pack. This will also make or break yeah. your hunt. How your back feels, it needs to have a load shelf to be able to pack meat out with. Yes. Um, and then, I had to give my, I had, like, no reason why he would have one, but I brought a loner pack for my cousin so he could pack meat. That's yep. a big point. Yep. Packs. So pack, boots, optics. <laughs> optics are your biggest asset besides your feet in moving country. Yeah. You don't have to have the highest quality optics. You just need to have optics that make sense for the area you're hunting and uh, what you're hunting. So, like in this situation, you did not need a big spotter to get super zoomed in and identify if a mule deer is like a 150 versus a 180 Good class point. deer. I was with uh, my small spotter the whole time. You had time. the small spotter. I had uh, optics, optics stabilized binos, uh, 16 powers. Um, you had I had loophole. loophole I run 12s. the loophole um, 12s on a tripod. That's kind of my favorite go-to. Um, you can more methodically glass a yeah, hillside with a tripod. I hate glassing with one eye for extended periods. Yep, it I'm makes not my a big spotter. Tired. I'm not a big spotter person. I've actually never owned a spotter. Uh, I've just ran binos my whole life. Um, but yeah, in an elk hunt, whether if you're truly are trophy hunting and going after that. 350 or better bowl or something like that then maybe that's the time where you get bring a bigger spotter to break it down but if you're just trying to identify if this thing's legal you're probably going to be fine with binos and, and maybe a smaller spotter like yeah but like i said i've i've elk hunted my I've, whole life and i've never used a spotter so i actually have optics the, that make sense for your hunt i'll just mention too the optic the the smaller spotter i have is the loophole it's actually a loophole tactical uh 12 by 40. So it's actually not even super like marketed to the hunting crowd, but it's a good uh, small size, like kind of more backpacking size spotter. And then I had the big loophole too, but that didn't call for it. Yeah. Hey, what was what was the out. rest of your list? Um, is it optics pack hydration? Like hydration is key. Uh, yeah, I didn't bring enough water for a couple days. Packing enough water in. Uh, personally, I'm a bladder person, uh, but I don't like bladder bags. Uh, I run a, a hard side hydration system is actually the name of the company. We'll plug for them, but they uh, it's a Nalgene bottle with a straw and a hose coming out of it. Um, I need a uh, hose to like constantly be drinking, whereas you just run a, a bottle on, yeah, on your bottles. side. Uh, but bringing hydration and then... But I didn't bring enough a couple days. Uh, the other thing on the hydration is um, like supplemental hydration, the, the hydration sticks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Getting your salt and your electrolytes in is huge when you're putting on a bunch of miles. Yeah, Mountain Ops has a new hydration product actually I've been trying out that's pretty good. Um, Kobe had a couple of them. Yeah, tasty. What yeah. was it, mango? I think, yeah, they have a lemonade and a peach mango. I, peach we, mango. I had the peach mango yeah, and it's pretty same. good. But yeah, mix, that, mix those, that up with electrolytes. some night for an afternoon Ooh, yeah. pick me up. Superman. Uh, pretty solid. So. Um, yeah, those are just kind of some of the key things. And, and if you are going to this desert country, man, bring a lightweight long sleeve. Keep that sun off of you. That yes, is with a hood. With, with a hood. hood. Br yeah, bring a synthetic or merino. I actually was wearing um, merino this trip, which I usually am a synthetic guy, but I kind of wanted to try out merino again. Um, 
I'm a synthetic Actually, guy, but I yeah. wore Merino one day. I wore the Born Primitive Merino and the Mountain Ops Battleground Merino the whole time. This is not, I promise you guys, a commercial. The Mountain Ops Battleground Merinos are my favorite Merinos I've tried from any company. I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm a partner with them. They really are. Um, they're just like soft. They have the features. Anyway, whatever. Um, I wore Merino, but yeah, definitely bring something long sleeve and a hood. And I always... I mean, puffy. I always do. Yeah, I puffy. always bring a puffy. That was going to be my next thing. Because you're going to get hot and sweaty on the walk up. It's still going to be cold. You're going to want to throw a puffy on at that first glassing knob. And yeah. you don't want to carry around anything heavy. That was another item I gave to my cousin. It was a puffy. And at first he's like, he didn't get it, you know? Until he got Until it. Until he <laughs> got it. It's like, oh, okay, this weighs nothing and it's super warm. Okay. He was like, you think I'm going to be cold? It's going to be cold enough for this thing, cuz? And I was like, just trust me, bring it. Yeah. Um, so I always have those, but. Yeah. And then. Adequate snacks. You gotta Always. bring enough snacks. Always. So, yeah. Um, if you're not out in the sun a lot, maybe even a little sunscreen. I put some on one day, but you can pretty much stay in the shade during the the really hot part. But yeah, I mean, man, closing thoughts for me. I mean, there's just so much. I, you know, just learning how to stalk and hunt a completely new and different animal. It's it's more than I was expecting. Like it's more different than the deer hunt than I was expecting. I'm so glad that I did have Kobe with me. Like I'm not saying you got to get a guide or pay a guide, but if you can even go with someone who's got a little bit more, you know, on a new species, a, like even just hunted a couple times, like a buddy or something, or if you have a cousin or whatever, like, um, they can help you out a little bit. Now I intentionally invited my cousin cause I wanted to have fun and not, I wanted to like, I don't know how to, I wanted to kind of try to figure it out ourselves a little bit. Now, Kobe actually helped us out more than I was kind of expecting, to be honest. But uh, my intention was to kind of really do this DIY. And I think we still did. Kobe helped us out a lot though. I'm not downplaying that either. No, there's, I, uh, how I'd break that down a little bit is, yeah, you wanted to, you know, not hit up all your local buddies, be like, hey, where do I hunt? How do I do this? Yeah. Uh, and still like immerse yourself in it. But, um, to make that learning curve less steep is essentially what I did. I was able to provide a lot of information. There was also definitely a number of times where I didn't say anything and I, could have there's a there's a, definitely a number of stuff that i saw that is things that i was like yeah i'm just not gonna you, you have to figure it out yeah um and so it wasn't but like you said those mistakes that i was that you would have made that have been like screw up the whole situation yeah, yeah, yeah. that was to come it's like yeah i can't not speak how did i those. do from the beginning to the end progressing night and day different like seriously you're, you're stalking like your stalking like posture changed uh and your concentration on what needed to be concentrated on uh like on that last stock it felt like you were just more in tune it truly did yeah you were more in tune and uh because that first stock you were just kind of like moving too quick the first three stocks just way too quick uh when you finally got it was that uh one where we got winded yeah you know, being diligent with where you put your feet. Cause yeah, you don't want to make noise. Um, is you want to make as little noise as you can, but some noise isn't bad at, at times, but they were bad at that time. Didn't want to make noise. So you did good 
Um, but definitely improved vastly over the course of the hunt. Sweet. Well, it was really good sharing the hunt with you, man. I'm super glad we got to work together before you, you know, get off the market and go full time with it, whether it be. Um, so, and I appreciate you honoring our uh, agreement to do this hunt that we made months ago. So, and like I said, I think I said it to you before, but you know, I knew Kobe before, I knew I liked him. But now I just respect the crap out of him. He's the man, killer hunter, hard worker, and just fun as crap to be with. I had a ton of fun hunting with you, dude. Dude, it was a blast. It's going to be uh, lifelong memories for sure. Yeah, I mean, you always had, like, a joke or, like, we're cracking up about something. Like, so it was really fun hanging out with you, dude. You got you to gotta keep it light out there. Too many people <laughs> get, get in their own head. You yeah. gotta You got to keep the vibes up. You did a really good job of keeping me from getting, like, down to a dark hole, too. Like, you were always positive, you know. I appreciate you, man, on that. Yeah, it's, you can't be the anchor uh, on, uh, in my position, you can't be the anchor that holds the hunt back, right? You, you have to be an asset, um, and that's why I feel like I've become successful yeah. at this, is being an asset, not just as uh, my skills as a cameraman, so... And you absolutely were an asset. Um, that's something that Dan Staten said to me. That's the same thing he said to me on my first like big film hunt, which actually was out here in New Mexico. I was filming for him for Elk Shape, and he was like, "Just be an asset." And uh, that's what I tried to do. And he was happy with my performance, and that's that's what you did. You're an asset. I mean, I was saying even down to helping me unload the meat and clean up the you know camp and stuff. So um, just being willing to help on the little things and and hustling out there so appreciate you dog right on that's a good one thumbs up uh thumbs up Facebook. we invented this thing i gave i don't know how exact one of us gave a thumbs up and the other one you just gave me a thumbs up and i just fist bumped it <laughs> okay. with the thumbs up <laughs> it was like but i kind of like did i kind of reach for it a little yeah yeah at the end, you kind of like <laughs> were like awkwardly like okay anyway we invented the fist bump thumbs up so that's our thing now um but anyway guys um this, is, this one's been kind of long, but we hit a lot of really good stuff. I want to thank all my partners that were all huge, like, helps to my success out here, except for Seekins because I was using my CVA, but um, Onyx, Loophold, Barnes Bullets, um, Mountain Ops, and uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, and CVA, obviously. Um, but thanks to those partners. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, you know, obviously, I always ask if you get a chance to go over to YouTube. Um, so hit the subscribe button, um, check out the podcast, and then Kobe, where can folks go if they want to check out more of your work? Yeah, uh, you can find me on the Instagram at Kobe.Owens, and that is K O B Y uh, Owens. And uh, go over, check out the uh, Weatherby page, and, yeah. and see uh, what I'm working on over there. That's where uh, you will see a lot of my work coming forward. Um, with this new move, I'm not quite sure how much work will see the light of day on the personal page. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what. Uh, hey, you're off to you a new adventure, me. man. Um, it's you're a new chapter. Be, you're gonna see uh, big things coming from Kobe at Weatherby and beyond. So follow along with him as well. And uh, yeah, man, thanks again. It was a it was a good hunt. Unforgettable. Cool, buddy. All right, signing off, guys. See you on the next one.